0: Resolute Square. There was also maintained what was called an enemy's list, which was rather expensive and continually being updated. Democrats want Republicans dead. Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having Martian. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. No, it's not right. wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. <laughs> I'm Rick Wilson, and this is The Enemy's List. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Enemies List. I'm Rick Wilson, And my guest today is one of the most amazing forces in podcasting. It is Kara Swisher and in tech reporting and in, and a whole variety of areas.
1: Variety. I'm multi, I'm contain multitudes, Rick.
0: You contain multitudes in a whole variety of areas that, that have intersected more and more in recent years where tech and politics and culture have all sort of come together. You will generally find Kara there either on the, the Mustless and Pivot podcast with her co-host Scott Galloway or the On with Kara Swisher podcast, both of which are great windows into our culture and our moment. So you've got a book coming out next year called Burn Book, which I'm very excited about. It's about a a topic that I find fascinating, is it feels like we haven't lived in a world for a very long time where there are these titans uh, of industry that, that have the same effect that maybe Gilded age titans had on the country and and you know you've covered these people, you know these people. my thirty thousand foot question is, how do you view this book? Is it history? Is it sociology? Is it an examination of? The industry itself.
1: I've given it to people who aren't industry people to read, just a few people, not very many. And they are like, I didn't know all this stuff about the internet, how it started, where the original people were. So I think it'll be, for some people, just be a really good primer on how it all happened, like how these companies got so big, the beginnings. You know, I obviously wrote two books about AOL, which was one of the original OG uh, internet focus companies that got most people onto the internet, by the way, um, as a consumer, I think you, you'll get a lot of history here and how, how it came together. You'll also get a, a real glimpse into what I think. And let me make it clear what I think of the people who built it essentially, um, from Steve jobs to Mark Zuckerberg to Elon Musk to, Oh, everybody. Jeff Bezos is in there. Uh, there's a whole thing about social. I mean, uh, things like Travis Kalanick, some of the sort of more malevolent startup people, and so you'll get a real glimpse into what I think of them and how how they changed. A lot of it is about change, and um, and the reason it's called Burn Book is like you know, in a Burn Book, you write the truth. Like this is what I really think of them, and in some cases they come off well. You know, they come. I think Steve Jobs, I have a lot of affection for. In some cases, it's a huge disappointment. What happened with Elon. Um, and so that's what it's like. And I think it's a little funny. Um, it's a little bit of stuff that didn't make it into stories. You know, I was at a baby shower for the uh, founder of Google and his wife that he like, long, a long story would happen to that marriage. But but it's it's a scene that you're sort of like, this is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous scene of Gavin Newsom and I taking uh, white Russians out of the an ice breast. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like there's a lot of scene. It's, Stuff like that. The so, argument that the yeah. show
0: Silicon Valley was a documentary.
1: Um, it was a documentary. I, you know, I worked. on I know. That. I, I, I you were in that a, last season, right? Advisor. Yeah, I was in well, that too. I was in three. I was on three episodes: one of the early or first season, another season, uh, and uh, the last the last episode actually. But I helped them like. They would run stuff by me. I'm like, no, do this, and they're like, no, and I'm like, real, and so, uh, <laughs> and I introduced them to a lot of tech people who, like, Dick Costolo, who helped them, who's run Twitter, who helped them. So,
0: so as you profile these people over the years, there was this sort of image in the American cultural landscape, in the in the minds of Americans, of it's these young nerds sweating away over you know code weeks uh, weeks on end, and and a lot of these people who have sort of risen up were not the actual coders they were more managers and money people who sort of somehow took on the 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 affect of the of the nerd culture thing
1: well, no, most of them are technical to some, you know, Steve Jobs wasn't a coder, right? He wasn't, he wasn't, but he knew technology. Elon Musk, you know, is an engineer by, by training, yeah, but right. there are others <laughs> who sort of, well, no, no, he did, he does, he does have a, a degree. Um, But there are others who are more gifted than he is as, as a coder, for example. And so, you know, most of them know enough to be dangerous, you know, how like, and and Zuckerberg has died in the world technologist. He really is quite a coder and a very typical, he's more of the, the one you think of, like the revenge of the nerds. Oh
0: yeah. I I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff wired up into Mark Zuckerberg's view, even of the tools he's built or bought that reflects that like rejection period of his life. Right. I mean,
1: well, it, it actually, the problem is, is that these people who are engineers or engineer mentalities and tech mentalities run smack into the fact that they have impact on, on society and they need to know about history and the first amendment and and English and everything else. And they don't have any skills in this area, but they, they because they're so rich and so powerful, they think they do. And so you have all these people who are ill-equipped to deal with modern problems, including misinformation, that then um, are, are suddenly they're in charge of them. Like, shall we throw Donald Trump off of Twitter? Why is it left to two people right. who are not very educated on the topic?
0: Honestly, I mean, in terms of like the weaponized harm of the platforms, you you've talked a lot about this. I mean, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter together, this sort of triumvirate, they all have their very dark uh, impact on society. How, how do you think that story ends with those platforms? Because it, they've, they've basically bought out D.C. All, you know, all of them have armies of lobbyists. I mean, the safest bet in D.C. is is somebody says, yes, I lobby for Facebook. I mean, uh, or meta, 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 excuse me. Um, yeah.
1: An X, right. just so you know they changed yes. it. They're trying to escape it. I'm, I'm
0: never calling it X. I'm going to call it Twitter I just agree. to tweak him till the end. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. John Oliver just said that. He goes, he calls it X. The rest of us call it Twitter. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> but, it's true. but their power in D.C. has gotten to the point where they're essentially unregulatable am i am i correct in that read or
1: i they, I don't think they are i don't think they are it's just they haven't regulated them i government has abrogated its responsibility almost fully since they st- passed section 230 a million years ago as part of the communications decency act which i covered when i was at the washington post but it gave them enormous ability it, what it did is allow them to step up and then it gave them power right because they can't be prosecuted for um you can't there's no legal liability for most of these companies. And so there has been some action. You know, lots of senators and Congress people, they're not stupid, have been trying. It's just they lobbyists to push back privacy, antitrust regulation, privacy regulation, uh, algorithmic transparency regulation. But the courts just recently, Google lost a case with Epic um, ar- around the App Store. although Apple won this similar case, uh, a jury's figured mm-hmm. it out rather quickly. That was a jury trial. Um, I'm not sure why Google let that happen, but there you have it. And, and there are there's action by antitrust uh, regulators like John Cantor at the Justice Department. Lena kahn has been trying. It's hard. It's an uphill battle, you know. But it's you know it's hard. And and then the Biden administration recently put out an executive order on uh, on AI, which I thought was pretty smart. It's just not con- congressional action. It's a, a it's an executive order, which we not prefer that to be the way we legislate.
0: Is big tech once again going to end up owning the the AI backbone, the AI infrastructure? Yes. There, there's no. Yes. yes,
1: yeah, yeah. I did a really interesting interview with a woman named Fei Fei Li, one of the early uh, uh, AI people who was at Google and is now at Stanford. Uh, really early, early first person I saw manipulating AI and the, working with AI in a thing called ImageNet. And these are big companies. It takes enormous amounts of compute power to do this. And what her worry was is that there wasn't a public-private partnership, that private, you know, Google may or may not worry about climate change, but it's not on their list of things to worry about when it might be the government. And you could use these technologies to help solve climate change problems, cancer research. And so the government's not going to be involved uh, because it's just too expensive. And these companies have have moved forward so quickly.
0: Where do you fall on on the sort of AI doomer spectrum?
1: I, I'm not, I'm doomer. not a doomer
0: either. I think some of the doomerism is almost a marketing technique at this point.
1: Well, some of it, you know, Stephen Hawking talked a lot about the doom of it. Like it's going to take over and this and that. I just was listening to him talk about it. It was quite doomer. Um, I think he's got an imagination and I think one of the issues is that, that technologists, you know, they, they worship technology. So they become, you know, this is God, this is the new God. Um, and so that's what they would think that that would do it. I think what they leave out is the problem is always people. It's never the technology. It's the people. It's not the nuclear bombs issue. It's the people who dropped the nuclear bomb, right? Who, 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 which, you know, I think you saw really beautifully in that movie Oppenheimer. Um, but it's people who I'm scared of people using this technology is what I'm nervous about more than anything else.
0: Support for Rick Wilson's The Enemies list comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com Wilson. That's odoo.com slash wilson odoo modern management made simple i mean what's your worst use case scenario for the future on it you know killer robots
1: drones that, that decide when to operate even a silly thing like make as much money as possible so we can help the children well it might cheat it might kill people we have a hunger problem. What should we do? Oh, let's kill a billion people. That'd right. It's, it's that like, paperclip
0: problem. You, know, you tell the AI to make right, all the paperclips exactly. it needs to, and it eats everything yeah. in the world. Yeah. to Make yeah. all the paperclips. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I mean, it's just, but that's a function of what, how we teach it and what data goes in. I think I'm worried about the data that's going in because we're so bad. Data is so. There's so much bad data. There's also things we've done that are bad. Our history is littered with a lot of badness. Sure. So we've got to teach it to say we don't want you to do that right we don't we want you to do this the holocaust so, is a
0: suboptimal outcome uh, yeah
1: exactly let's not to do the holocaust but uh, leaving that out and then we should have the choice of what to do once it before it acts you know should i do this oh you know what let's not kill uh, everybody in missouri let's not do that let's not do that you know that kind of thing but it will offer you it it, it doesn't care that's Years ago, Elon, when he was in his right mind, one time he started off when we were interviewing, talking because he was one of the early warriors about AI, and and appropriately, and he said, "Oh, they're going to treat it's going to treat us like house cats, going to feed us, doesn't care, like doesn't dislike us, kind of likes us." Then he moved on to, I thought, was a much better metaphor, which was that it was like. People building a highway and you go over anthills, but you don't know they're there. And you're not mad at the ants. You're not like, let's kill all the ants while we build this highway. It's just they're building a highway. So the ants are there and they die. And that's just the way it is. And so I thought that was a very smart way to think about it. It's like, it doesn't care. It's not Terminator. It's not trying to kill us. Right. It's just doesn't care if we die. Like, which is, you know, I think that's sort of the more scary
0: thing. Indifference is kind of more terrifying in a weird way.
1: In a weird way. But again, if we have choices over what it does, it can be used as an enormous tool around a million things. But it could also make killer, killer robots. It could.
0: The good and bad consequences are still over the horizon a little bit.
1: But, you know, look, I always say the same thing. Hitler didn't need uh, Instagram right? You don't need, you don't need these technologies. To, the problem is humanity and these just soup them up. Uh, and you could see that, you know, but look, Fox News is just, just as damage to to certain groups around what what the news is. So that was run by one guy. That's just one guy and in his in his desperate need for money, right? So he keeps, you know, and now he's captive to his viewers and what the viewers want. And so that's what he'll serve, the swill, he'll serve them up.
0: So. It's interesting because uh, there are very few people as powerful as Rupert Murdoch in the culture, or or who were as powerful as Rupert Murdoch. But you profile guys like Bob Iger. We now have Elon owning the platform, the the, the Twitter platform, which was a fundamental reshape of American political uh, culture, I think, and news culture.
1: It was, yeah. <laughs> Certainly, Trump used it. Trump is sort of the most effective troller in chief, as I said. You know, he used it the way JFK used TV or FDR used radio. He certainly got control of his audience that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, and as you said, you know, Hitler Hitler had AM radio, and for a very limited time, the first cable television network in the world was in Berlin at the very end of the war.
1: you don't, you just need technology, right? It's just whatever the technology happens to be. Now, this this technology is particularly effective at, at targeting. And so you can really get messages. You saw everything that even just in a crude way would happen in Myanmar and everywhere else. And so you're going to see that more and more. And it could be anything. It could be fakes. It could be like, what if on the day of the election, they say Biden's dead, but then it gets out, but then people go, no, he's not. He's not. You know what I mean? Like it could just decide to do that. Like, and that's the thing, is is people the problem is people are so quickly tricked on easy things, right? That it would be it would be very easy to fake things pretty effectively.
0: Well, I think you're seeing that with, with TikTok right now in the Ukraine war, that TikTok is yep. has, has this massive Russian botnet or or organized net of people saying, Oh, Zelensky's bought five yachts and villas in Spain and it's all BS, but it looks real.
1: Yeah, it does, and people believe that. So I've had I've pushed so many different. I'm like, no, that didn't happen that way. It didn't happen that way, and that's just my mom. So,
0: one thing about Silicon Valley that I've noticed, even as a, as a sort of just semi distant observer, it seems like the ethos of the Steve Jobs era has given way to this sort of, and maybe it's not as widespread as I think. Maybe I just see them more. Uh, this sort of red pilled, David Sachs style, Peter Thiel, Elon. Post alt right um, winking and nod. Yeah, it's not really racism. I'm just trolling. Who red pilled these people? How did this? How did this happen? And I'm just it. It fascinates me because they are becoming so important in the dialogue.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think probably David Sachs less than those others you mentioned, but um, I would. Uh, you know, they don't actually give that much money to these politicians. Politicians are so cheap. I think Peter Thiel spent a grand total of thirty million dollars. Like, I, you know, that's nothing to him. And so, you know, I don't know. I think it, part of this idea of this, I, I called it libertarian light, um, where they were all like, don't tread on me, like that kind of stuff. It's not different than MAGA, right? And that, that, that sort of right-wing kind of thing. And so I, I saw it many years ago, of all people, who now has become somewhat liberal in comparison, Bill Gates, um, where he said, I don't need lobbyists. What do I need? We can figure it out without I government remember that era. coming in, right? Remember, he said that to me at a dinner, at a lunch we had at the Washington Post. Like, what do I need a lobbyist for? I'm like, because they're going to sue you. That's why. Like, you're going to need it. Um, hearings. <laughs> and uh, Hearings, right. And then they had the antitrust trial. But they had an idea that tech could solve everything, no matter what. And they still do. So that morphed into this idea like that they had all the answers. And then they got so wealthy. They're surrounded by enablers that tell them they're geniuses. And then they realize they don't have any, they don't have any guardrails. They don't can do whatever they want. And then they, some of them turn out really well. Uh, Steve Jobs did in that regard. Um, some of them, most of them are adults that turn out really well. Started off as adults and ended up as adults. Some of them were sort of, I, I call them adult toddlers, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they're indulged by the people around them. Uh, and then they get a sense of persecution, which is what you're seeing with Musk, rather severely, actually. Um, this sense of victimization and grievance and everyone's against them. And then they, you know, they're they're not, it's not unlike what they do on Fox news. You know, it works, fear, fear works just as well as hope. And I'm so rich, I know, like, and so then they have followers who are like, they're so rich, they must know when in fact, they don't know. And, and, and I think you're, you start to see bits and, you know, and also tell it back to the man. It's so funny when Elon Musk goes, advertisers can go fuck themselves. I'm like, they're like, he told the man. I'm like, he is the man. Like, the man is telling the man, the bigger man is telling the smaller man to fuck himself. Like, where does that come from? And they don't, they, it's like Trump. Trump is not like the poor people who who love him, right?
0: Oh, God, no. Oh, no. There's a billion miles between them. And there are people he would never let in the gate at Mar-a-Lago. But I mean, when you look at, when you look at Elon, and I know he's. Just, is
1: there a gate at Mar-a-Lago? Oh, there's a there's gate.
0: Been, yeah. There's it, a it, 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 It's, it's, yeah. Uh,
1: Ornate. Ornate,
0: yes. It's it's fanciful. It's it's <laughs> Moorish Baroque, I believe, is the architectural term for the I oh,
1: have to get there before I die. Uh, I do. But go ahead.
0: Well, Marjorie Mary Post is spinning in her grave somewhere. Probably,
1: but, yeah.
0: You know, and I, I I I sort of promised myself I wasn't gonna make this interview about Elon, but he's such an he's such an exemplary character of this whole weird culture that has emerged.
1: Yes, it is. Um, he is, yeah. And
0: it it's the story is like the ambition and the money. And the the risk tolerance and the fucking ketamine or whatever else he's taking right now, it doesn't feel like it's going to end right. It doesn't feel like it's going to end well.
1: You know, about a year ago, I said this feels very Howard Hughes to me, like it's moving in the Howard Hughes direction. Yeah, that's not a great in analogy. The,
0: um,
1: uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I haven't. We don't speak now. We talked a lot. We used to talk quite a bit. Um, I don't know. It feels grandiose. At first, I think it started off as a prank because he's so juvenile and that's fine. Like whatever. A lot of these guys like, likes like penis jokes. I don't know what else to say. They love a penis joke. And, ah, ah, ah. Like, so I don't know what happened to them or whatever, whatever. That's how they're like. Um, And, and it sort of then morphed into something where they were cosplaying this thing and now it's real. That's, I think the issue that is a problem for, is that, you want to go get your drink
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's right. I think there's a degree to which it's like they they figured out for a while they could get away with it, like "lol, I'm just trolling," but it's not just trolling anymore.
1: No, they like it. They like the the, the attention. You know, I think in Elon's case, he's an attention uh, addict and, and and a drama queen. So he he needs uh, he needs the constant affirmation from people, and then he excuses it on his childhood. Which I'm like, get a therapist and move along, so the rest of us can. He's.
0: Able to make all these big bets, basically off of Tesla. Um, Tesla so now, far. Tesla's but if SpaceX goes to SpaceX, becomes an IPO, which, which, which by money. the way, is an incredibly as an aerospace nerd, it's an incredibly impressive company. It is. Indeed. They are, they are making they are actually making things and making money, and you know, it, Elon doesn't seem to have you know uh, broken that particular organization yet.
1: Well, he's got a great executive in Gwynne Shotwell. who You never see,
0: but. You know, it's run by real aerospace guys as well. Yeah, but that recent interview where he shows up in the World War II aviator outfit and is clearly unhealthy.
1: Yeah, I said he looked like a a lesbian, old lesbian (laughs) had given up, middle-aged lesbian had given up.
0: Elon, are those are those Birkenstocks?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, he was wearing overly shiny boots. We shouldn't talk about people's clothes, but honestly, that outfit said a lot. There was a lot of there was a lot of information in that outfit.
0: My observation of the guy was just, uh, it just like this is a person in crisis, and and the and the picking the fights and the big trolling thing and and you know like like a land war in Asia. Let me say
1: one more word about that outfit. I thought when I looked at I like, oh honey, you thought this looked good, right? Right. And
0: Somebody said, oh, said you're doesn't. cool. You're so cool, Elon. You look
1: good, and I was like, oh man. Oh, no. he's looked good on occasion. He often dresses like a Bond villain.
0: Yeah, no, he's. I've, I've seen him. I've seen him like like dressed like a human, but the other part of that thing was he gets decided to get in a fight with Bob Iger. It yeah. was another one of the people, not really a fight, not it's really like a fight. fight
1: where he doesn't have an act. Cause if he had an actual exchange with Bob Iger, Bob Iger would like, reduce him to, him to tears.
0: Yeah. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Like, like I said, land war in Asia, dispute with Bob Iger never works out well mm-hmm. for the interlocutors.
1: Well, he's an adult. He's an elegant adult. He's a, he's an experienced executive. So,
0: so, so, as this as this culture out there that you that you chronicle in Burn Book has has evolved, we're on basically what like the third generation of Silicon Valley people, really. I mean, if you look back to the um,
1: no, the founders, it's still the, the founders. founders. It really
0: is. I mean,
1: yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple of people, like Satya Nadella, who's running Microsoft. It's not, but he was there at the beginning, so it's he was there very early. You know, you have Mark still running Facebook. You've got uh, Reed Reed Hastings is still involved with net, but all the people there were early people. Uh, I'm trying to go through all the companies. Google, Sundar was there very early. The founders are still around. You still have founders there in many, many, many of the companies. And Elon, obviously.
0: I, I was thinking back like all the way to the 60s, like the IC revolution and, and the, the original like Hewlett-Packard guys. And
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, you know, it starts with that and then it moves to um, – Mobile, and then you know it moves to Apple slash Microsoft, then it moves to mobile, and then it moves to social, and now we're in the AI age. So it's just it's just one of those iterations of tech that moves
0: along. And every one of them has the hype cycle that you have chronicled. So it so does. many moments it's of indeed. as we as we've gone forward.
1: There's a lot to hype. You know, you could have said, you know, years ago, Peter Thiel did an interview with me here in San. I'm in San Francisco right now, and he said the internet is underhyped and at the time it was overvalued for what it was and i said but overvalued he goes no it's not and i think you know i have to give it to him he was right it was underhyped um even though there was a lot of hype of what it would do but what he thought it was going to happen and what actually happened was different but in general directionally he was correct
0: he he i i've read a lot about peter in the last couple of years and he's like <laughs> it's like the guy that took all the wrong lessons from neil stevenson books <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's very smart. Yeah, I'm let me sure. To say, I, you know, right now he doesn't look so bad compared to all of them, but and he seems to be having some regrets in terms of being involved in politics. It's that there was that one piece. I don't know if he's lying to us or not. That I couldn't tell because every time he says to me, I'm like, is that a lie or a manipulation? Or but that sounded like true regret of what he what he'd been doing. Uh,
0: I have heard from some people that were on the receiving end of his largesse for a while. Like he doesn't like what happened, and he's he's. Right And and he, and I can tell you, I know politics better than I know tech, but that momentum of being around power is very seductive and exciting. And I'm sure he felt in some ways like this was a new era of, or a new area of, of adrenaline.
1: And influence. You know, he has ideas. He's, an, he's a, I would say he is, of all of them, is a true libertarian in that regard. And some of the stuff is malevolent. Like, honestly, some of the stuff he did in college was grotesque. Um. But um, that was a college student, so I'm going to give him a wide berth there. Um, But I think he has a sense of government being over, you know, overindulged and spending too much money, which is perfectly fine to think that. At the same time, he indulges in, like, during the whole crypto thing, he's like, Warren Buffett's an idiot, like, and and insulted him personally. And then he was wrong. Like, I love the apology on the other end. So. Um, you know, he's, he's an interesting character. I, I, I would urge people to read his books because they're actually fascinating. And at least if, uh, in his case, he's quite smart. He's not a, he's not, um, the rest of them, I think he's a very big study of history and I don't agree with him on most of his conclusions, but it certainly is. Um, I can't believe him.
0: I know. Right. I but, know but, well, feel, but he, but <laughs> he clearly does have, he, he clearly does have an ethos. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, and I, I, I compared it interestingly when when Mark Andreessen put that thing out about a month and a half ago, Ugh, what an which just was thing like, was. I'm sorry, were you stoned in college? Did you was this in the freshman year dorm he didn't, room?
1: Didn't finish. I oh think, my
0: or Lord, yeah.
1: So. yeah, He definitely he's talk about grandiose. He's not. He's on an intellectual scale compared to Peter Thiel. He's way back of the back of the
0: classroom. So
1: how do you? Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you? So how do you think it's going to affect the election going forward?
0: I think Trump will come back on Twitter because truth is, you know, it's a, it's a backwater. He knows it. Um, I think he'll come back on Twitter. I think it's going to have an enormous impact. Uh, in my last book, I wrote a lot about how I worried about deep fakes, which were pre-AI deep fakes. They were just the visuals and the and the audio imitations. Now I think that problem is, is going to be very, very consequential in this election cycle. Uh, I think the targeting for both the good guys and the bad guys is getting much more accurate. I know I know our voter file people are using AI tools now at a level of sophistication that very last, last two years ago we didn't have anything close to this. And now we're, our targeting has gotten much, much better. Good and yeah, bad, though, at, the the, tools. At, it's, at, they're agnostic tools, so everybody's going to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people yeah. are going to increasingly have individualized separate political realities devised by the campaigns. And I think that's dangerous for a culture and a country.
1: Well, that's true. I, one of the things, I, I think most people aren't paying as much attention as people like us are. No, I think you know right. what I mean, I don't think they're quite, and I think it would be interesting to see, you know, I do think the media still has an impact of affecting it, but when it's added on to the, the urgency and the, the flooding of social media, it creates a real confusion for people, which I think is the
0: point. We have a scoring thing in one of our voter file index, or one of our voter behavior indexes of Facebook use time for likely voters. The more they're up there, the less contact they have with what's really happening.
1: People. It, yeah, and I'm, real people.
0: Uh, we haven't been able to run the same numbers with with TikTok and Twitter. Twitter's, Twitter's mm-hmm. data now is shit. It's gone. It's unusable. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's usable mm-hmm. inter- internally, but I don't...
1: Can I ask you one other question? Which of all the platforms is the most important politically from your perspective?
0: To reach people? Um, right now, it, Facebook is still... Probably the best. YouTube is a close second now. YouTube is sort of replaced. Reddit, Reddit, Snap, Reddit. Uh, look, Reddit is interesting and expanding, and we're we're doing we're actually doing a study on Reddit as as we speak.
1: Yeah, you should. My team, my kids who are about to vote this year.
0: I, I use Reddit. I mean, um, yeah. Carol, once again, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. You are the queen and an inspiration to us all. Thank you so much. Have a very very merry Christmas and best to your family. You too. Thanks again for listening to The Enemies List. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at TheRickWilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the pod. We're growing fast. It really helps if you will share this with your friends, your family, and anyone else who, like us, is trying to save democracy. While you're at it, if you could rate and review the podcast, I would be very much appreciative. I know this is the sort of thing you've heard a billion times. Please rate, review, like, blah, blah, blah. But you need to do it. It really does help us a lot. We are slaves to the algorithm, my friends. And if you do this, it will help get the pod out further. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list.